How are we doing? Good, 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 good. Um, uh, if you have your Bibles, grab those. We are going to be in Psalm 103, verse 19 here shortly. Um, so you can be turning there. Uh, also want to draw your attention this morning to our app. Um, we have gotten back to uh, putting uh, the sermons on there. So now I, I don't know if you like to follow along, if you kind of want to know where we're headed, some notes, things like that. Um, and this is also a cheap plug to download our app. It's good. You need it. It's awesome. Um, but if you open up the app, you permission to download now if you need to do all that good stuff. Open the app. You go to the bottom uh, menu bar. Click on worship. Um, and then you'll see another uh, options here. Just click on sermon notes and it'll bring up the sermon for this morning, the kingdom. Um, and you can follow along there. There's some quotes, different things, some scriptures um, that you can just follow along and have kind of a, a hands-on uh, interaction this morning as we walk through, through the word. And so if you'd like to kind of look ahead a little bit or kind of know where we're headed, those type of things, um, you can follow along there. And those notes, if you make notes... Um, uh, they're just yours. They're not shared across the cloud. They're, not, they're, they're yours to go out back and be able to revisit and kind of have and look at at any time you want to um, there. So um, you can follow along that way if you so like. Um, and so this series, The Kingdom, uh, was just birthed out of uh, the perils and anxiety that comes with the uncertainty of our day. With everything going on in our world, um, and some of this has even been, I believe, with uh, just in conversation with Tyler over the last few months, um, this is something that's kind of been on his heart, and then I think as it being on his heart, it's kind of jumped onto my heart a little bit, um, and then just kind of looking at our world, looking at our culture, and then even just looking inwardly at me and kind of knowing how I'm wired, how I am uh, have been created in my makeup, um, one of the things uh, that, that just gets me is, is, like I said, looking at our culture, looking at our world. And if, if you know me, I'm probably one of the, I mean, the most laid-back, easygoing, chill-type people that you'll ever meet. I mean, like, like, it takes a ton to get me kind of riled up. Like, it takes a ton to kind of, like, anxious is not the type of person that I am. Worrier, not really. Uh, Meredith likes to say it like this, is like, I, I worry enough for Scott and me um, because he just doesn't worry. Um, and so, for whatever reason, for whatever God's doing in my life, what He's trying to get my attention, whatever, and He's identified some areas in my life, uh, what I'm seeing is just, in this culture, in this world that we're in right now, for some reason, I've become anxious. For some reason, I've allowed worry to kind of creep in and kind of, kind of get me in some of these things that normally don't uh, ruffle my feathers or uh, draw me away. Some of the things that's just going in our world has just has started to do that has started to just kind of take me captive in some things. And so I don't know how aware you are of what's going on in our world, but man, the pandemic? I mean, holy cow. I mean, like, like would this thing not be over yet? I mean, we started in March. It, it, it had, well, even before then in other countries, and now we're here uh, pushing into October, and we're still fighting this thing? And so I look at that, and I get kind of amped up a little bit. I get kind of anxious. And, and, and I fall into the same place as everybody else. Oh, it's fake. No, it's not fake. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I don't know. All I know is this, is that there is definitely a virus out there that affects people in different ways. Taking life, making deathly sick, doing a number of things. What happens if I get it? I don't know. What happens if I take it in with my, new, my, my newborn baby? I don't know. I don't want my wife and kids to get it. Do I? Don't I? What? Oh, it's just like craziness. And then, not to mention all the racial injustice and tension. Man, it's a crazy world we're living in, is it not? I mean, all of the, I mean, it's 2020 for Pete's sake. You would think that we would look at somebody and value them for more than the color of their skin. Like, we're still fighting this ridiculousness. 
We're still allowing this, this fight, this battle to even be something of discussion? Man, the weight and the value of the human soul is more than the ridiculousness of a color of a skin. I mean, it's the soul and the heart that God has created and formed and fashioned in His image. And we're still battling and fighting that? Not to mention protesting? Peaceful? That turns not into peaceful? And so I see that like everybody else. I watch that like everybody else. And, and, and at first I was doing good and then, man, I just, like, I'll get anxious and I'll, like, scream at the TV or I'll be like, are you kidding me? And I'll have to storm off or turn it off or I'll have to quit. And don't even get me started in this presidential election. Holy cow. And I don't know which side of the fence that you sit on and I'm not about to mention one here this morning. Yeah, I'm not going to be that guy this morning. But holy cow. That'll cause you to go crazy in a minute, will it not? Everything that's stirring, everything that's going on, and I'm going to address some of that here in a minute, so don't think I'm just kind of skirting it or sidestepping it. We're going to talk here in a minute, and you're going to see exactly where I land. Um, You you might like it, you might not. I just pray you do. But anyways, so so all of this that's just going on, all of this is just stirring, and I'm watching, and I've spent more time reading and looking and investigating and thinking, and, and, and all of this playing the scenario, what could happen, what might happen? And what I found out that I'm doing is in that, my focus has been removed from where it needs to be. My focus has been taken away. And isn't Satan good like that? I mean, I mean, he, he's an idiot and he's a loser and he's, I mean, we can continue on that list of what he is. But, but I mean, he's, he's, he's all right at some things. And he is real good at this whole smoke and mirror type stuff. I mean, I mean if we can just get those believers to take their focus off of this for a moment... Or or let's get them focused on this. Because what is that doing? The whole time that I'm reading and looking and thinking and and worrying and getting anxious and all of this stuff about the unknown, which there's one who knows it all, who's already there, who's already controlling it, who's already uh, uh, made it to be, it takes my attention off of him, does it not? And and so I don't know if you're like me. I don't know if that's maybe something that's crept into your life, into your heart. But but as I was thinking about it, it kind of of reminds me of, of something like this. So this thing right here is good and bad, but there's something about it. And so it's creative for a purpose, to do a certain thing, but there's this little thing at the end that it requires. And so it will last maybe a day, a day and a half, depending upon usage, maybe even longer for some people if they don't, and they actually just use it for a phone. It's kind of a computer in my pocket, and I use it that way, but... But it's got this little input down here in the bottom. And this cute little cord came with it. And so what you do, and I know I'm, I'm sorry, I'm uh, probably offending your intelligence here. But, but, but what you do is you take this little fancy cord that came with it and you plug it into the bottom. And then you find a power source. And when you find that power source and you plug it into, this thing can last a lot longer. And so I say all that to say this. I feel like what's happened in my heart, in my life, and maybe, maybe you're at the same place. And I know I preached a few weeks ago about this abiding in, abiding in. And hear me, it's so easy to stand up here and preach something. But I want my heart to match what I preach. I want my life to uh, have a, a resounding yes that that's what Scott's doing too. And, and for whatever reason, it's just been a struggle in my life to just abide in the presence of the Lord in this season. 
And, and I don't know why, but, but, but as I thought about this fancy little contraption and this little cord that plugs, in, plugs into this power unit, uh, what, what God has brought my mind and heart back to is, is this. This church is what we plug into. This is what powers us. This is what helps Scott get over the Scott part of him that needs to focus on the God part. The situations and the circumstances and, and everything happening. It's this, this is the power source. It's spending time. It's abiding. It's being in God's Word. It's fellowshipping with other believers. It's praying. It's seeking. And, and for whatever reason, it's just so difficult in this season. I just feel like I've unplugged. And as I've unplugged, what happens is everything else seems to take precedence over what's most important. It's so easy to kind of get pulled away. And so my hope for us over the next six to eight weeks is that we'll allow the Bible, we'll allow God's Word to orient our hearts to truth. To truth that allows us to just rest and be secure in a world that's anything but secure. Anything but peaceful. And so I just pray that the Holy Spirit will just encourage you with just this deep, rich, soul-satisfying security in a time that will cause the strongest to cringe and fold up. And so this morning what I want to do is I just want to define for us what the kingdom is. That's all we're going to do. We're going to define what the kingdom is, and then we're going to look at some of the implications that come along with that. We're going to look at some of the implications of a kingdom that's ruled by a good, loving, gracious, just, and holy king. And so I want us to pray this morning as we get started, and I want to do it a little bit different, and this is, may be weird for some people, but I, but I want us to do this. I want, I want you to stick your hands out and open them up. And this is how I want us to pray this morning. I mean, I'm not going to come by. There's nothing going to drop out of the ceiling. Nothing weird is going to happen here that I know of. You just never know with the Holy Spirit what He'll do. But So I just want us to do this for a moment. I just want us to pray. And it's, and it's this thought of, man, God, I want to open up my hands to whatever you have for me. God, I want to open up myself to whatever you want to say to my heart, whatever you need to do in my heart, however you need to orient me and direct me back to your word, whatever you need to point out into my life, whatever you need to do in me. So I just, I just want to ask you if you'd join me this morning as we pray, and we'll just pray like this, asking and believing and ready to receive whatever it is that God's got for us. So Father, I pray, God, I beg of you this morning, speak to our hearts. God, I need you, desperately need you. Father, it's so easy to get my attention taken off of you and your way and your statutes in a moment's notice. God, with the craziness going on all around us. And so, Father, I just pray this morning with hands open, Father, that I would receive, that we as the body of Christ would receive whatever it is that you have for us. Father, that your word would just guide us and direct us this morning, God, that this truth about kingdom Father, would just work us over and help us just find security and peace and hope that we desperately, desperately need every moment of every day. And so, Father, we surrender. I surrender. God, and I ask you to speak in a mighty way, much louder than a guy standing on a stage screaming at people. God, I pray that you would speak that, that ever clear voice to the heart of your people. And God, if there be one here that, that this morning doesn't know you as Savior, if there be one watching online that doesn't know you as, as Lord and Savior, Father God, that you would rescue and redeem and save. Father, we thank you. We praise you in advance for what you're going to do this morning in this place for your glory and for our good. And we pray, amen. Amen. So the kingdom is a very big theme for Jesus. In the scriptures, in the ESV translation, you see the kingdom, and it's mentioned 126 times throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus references thought of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven 126 times. 
And then you see the kingdom mentioned 34 more times outside of the Gospels in the New Testament. So there is this theme that just drives the Word of God, that just drives this reality of what, what God is about. And it's kingdom life. It's, it's kingdom living. It's the kingdom itself. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to read for you through a few verses. And they're on the app there if you want to follow. You can look at them or you can go back and revisit them. But I just want, I just want you to hear this language this morning. I want you to hear this talk of what Jesus says, of what God's Word says. The first one's found in Matthew 6, It says this, But seek first the kingdom of God. There it is. So, so what do we need to be looking for? What do we need to be going after His people? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God, there it is again, is not meat and drink. It's not this physical stuff that we have and that we take in, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hold up. Jesus has to, has to have made a mistake there, right? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we'll cover this later on in this series. So not everyone who says that. He says, but the one that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So it's more than just saying and acknowledging. It's a living out and being in Christ. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit what? The kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor, those that are bankrupt, those who have come with nothing and are in desperate, utter need of God. The poor in spirit. Matthew 5, 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, so there's this persecution that takes place for righteousness' sake, for a right standing in God, for a standing up for God, for a proclaiming who God is. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What about Luke 17, 20 and 21? And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. Neither shall they say here or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. See, they were looking for it here. They were looking for it. They were ready for him to establish his rule and his reign in this moment, in this time, and rightfully uh, assert them back to the position and glory they thought that they deserved and needed. And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that's, that's not the kingdom. You've missed the kingdom. That's not the kingdom. It's not a establishing and me ruling and reigning with an iron fist. That, that's not the kingdom. It's not here or there. It's within you. Matthew 16 says like this, The kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. So the kingdom is something that we're to pray for, that we're to, we're to ask and beg of God to let come, let be. Mark 1.15 says, In saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So in this moment, in this day, the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand, It's present. And they're commanded to repent, to, to seek God, believe the gospel. John 3, 3 says this, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you don't get to the kingdom unless you're born again. Even if you say, Lord, Lord, no, you've, you've got to be born again and you enter into a faith relationship with God by way of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. Mark 10, 15 says this, Verily, I say unto you, whoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall not enter therein. There's not very many of us that are little kids in here this morning. So does that mean we don't make it? No, no, no. It's, it's a heart mentality. 
It's a faith entrance is what it is. Acts 14.22 says this, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must go through much tribulation entering into the kingdom of God. John 3, 5 says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I mean, so here are just a few of the scriptures that, that mention and talk about the kingdom of God. And like I said, there, there's many, many, many more that we could reference, that we could go back and look at, that we could break down, that we could walk through throughout this series. I mean, we can make this series stretch out over, over a year, but we're going to focus in and home in on about, about six to eight weeks of what the kingdom is. But I believe there's just imminent truth behind this reality of the kingdom. And I just believe it will help us as the people of God be reminded of where our joy and where our hope is found. And we need that in our world today. We need that in our life today. We need to be reminded. Like, I don't know about you this morning, but when we were singing Amazing Grace, when we were singing those songs that we were singing this morning, what it did was just help orient me back to the reality of who is king, who is in control. Who, who has the power to do anything about everything? And it's Jesus. Like, we need that church. We need to be reminded of the kingdom, regardless of an election, regardless of a pandemic, regardless of protesting, regardless of whatever you want to mention, a, a, a job struggle, a, 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 whatever it may be that you go through, family issues. We need to be reminded there is a kingdom that we are a part of. And so one of the best definitions that I've found of the kingdom is this, of the kingdom of God. It's by Steve Timmons, and it says this. It says, the kingdom of God is where the Father's rule is exercised through the Son by the power of the Spirit so that it is willingly obeyed, gloriously displayed, and happily enjoyed among His people in the world. So the kingdom of God is where the Father, where God the Father, the triune God here, we see this broken down, where, where, where the Father's rule is exercised where God rules and He reigns, and He does it how? Through, through His Son, by the power of the Spirit. So God sovereignly rules, God sovereignly reigns, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in unison as one, ruling and reigning in complete control. And as a result of that, uh, it's willingly obeyed. His rule, His reign is willingly submitted to and obeyed. And it's gloriously put on display for this world to see who desperately needs to see this lived out in the people of God. And not just that. This is a kicker in here where it's happily enjoyed. Where I'm like, yes, Jesus, you are in control. Your word is final. Whatever you ask, whatever you say, whatever standard you've set, whatever law you've written on my heart, God, yes. Where it's happily enjoyed among his people in this world. I mean, I mean, what a definition. So, so when we're talking about the kingdom of God, what we're really talking about is God's rule and reign. It's the simplest form. It's about God's rule and God's reign. It's about God's control. Psalm 103.19. That's where I asked you to turn. Let's, let's look at that for just a moment. Psalm, Psalm 103.19 says this. It says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. You get that? You get it? The Lord... God has established His throne in the heavens. And His kingdom, His way, rules over all. I mean, I just think about it in Matthew 28 where Jesus comes to them and He tells them to make disciples. But before He does that, He says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Every ounce of authority. Jesus has all the authority. Jesus has the final say. Jesus is in control. 
And we see that played out here. So you can hear the basic meaning of the word kingdom as rule. That's what we hear there. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. And his kingdom rules over all. There's this rule. It means that God reigns and rules and governs all things. That's what the psalmist is saying here. He's not thrown off by what's going on in our world. Though it may look like he has little control and little influence now, church, we need to know that he is not taken back. He is not thrown off. Oh, 2020, I forgot that it's a presidential election year. Oh, 2020, that pandemic thing. Holy Spirit, why didn't you remind me? That's not our God. That's not our Creator. He is governing and ruling and reigning even in what appears to be chaos and mass confusion on this planet. He is in total and utter control of ruling and reigning and working in the midst of the mess. That's what God does. He works in the midst of the mess. And so what we see is that God sits as king on his throne over the universe and he has kingly rule. His kingdom, his reign governs everything. Everything. And so kingdom in the scriptures is God's kingly rule. His reign, his action, his lordship, his sovereign governance. And oh, how we need to be governed. How we need to be led. How we need to be loved and walked with and encouraged. And how we need to have parameters and boundaries set up. I mean, I, don't, I mean, you've got kids. I mean, have you ever watched them? What do they try to do? They always try to push the boundaries, don't they? They always try to go a little further and a little further and a little further. And they just want to see where the boundaries are at or, or where mom and dad's really going to step up to the occasion and say, no, son, not here. No, not now. No, you can't do this. No, you can go this far, but that's it. If you go past that, then there's discipline. And the reality is we're no different, are we? Left alone is a dangerous place to be. See, for the believer, that's why we, we, we don't do life alone. We need community. We need accountability. We need fellowship. We need those things. Why? Because it, it reminds us of the rule and the reign of our king. It reminds us of those boundaries. It, it points us back to the direction that we need to head, to the place that we need to go, to what we need to be about. So what we see in the scriptures is this thought of kingdom as God's kingly rule, his reign, his action, his lordship, his governance. And so I think the, the problem is, is that we struggle with that type of mentality and that type of language. We, we don't really like it. I mean, it's cute and it's nice and it makes for good theory and things like that. But, but the problem is this. Is that we're dang Americans. Land of the free, man. Home of the brave. It's got, it's got, we are Americans. Can't nobody tell me nothing that I don't already know. Can't nobody direct and instruct me like I need to be instructed other than me. I don't need nobody telling me what to do because I am, by God, an American. And there is freedom in that. And we have worked hard and we've made something out of nothing and we've fought in wars and we've done things that needed to be done and we are free and can't nobody uh, uh, instruct, can't nobody tell me no, can't nobody expect no. I am free and I can do whatever I want to do. And my question for you is, how does that play out in life? Because I just want to tell you right now that there's always going to be somebody over you. And we can even remove this from the Christian realm of things. There is always going to be somebody over you. If you're married, you've got a wife that holds you accountable. If you're wife, you've got a husband to hold you accountable. If you work at a place, you've got an employer that's going to hold you accountable. If you're driving in a car, you've got laws that are going to govern how you do, fast you go, turns you make, things you do, ways you act, those type of things. It's going to govern. There is no way around it. So I don't care how free you think you are, at the end of the day, there's a law over us. 
There is people and things over us set in place to govern and guide and direct us, and we need that. But my fear is that we have become more concerned about being Americans than being submissive citizens of the kingdom of God. Thank you, brother. Let me read that again because that was a really, really good place to amen. Um, so I'll, I'll help you this morning. We'll guide you. It's been three weeks. I know. I'm sorry. I'll do better. My fear is that we are more concerned about being Americans that about, than about being submissive citizens to the kingdom of God. That, that God bless the red, white, and blue, and we will fight for far more than we will fight for the gospel. And hear me, I'm no different, man. I, I am pulling for the red, white, and blue every Olympics. Like, I want the, I want the gold count for those uh, uh, medals one to be through the roof. Like, I'm pulling. And, and God help me on uh, soccer, right? I mean, is that a sport? Is that not a sport? And, but every four years, I, I, will, I will be glued to that TV, and I will watch the World Cup, and I will cheer as hard as I can for America. Even though we won't make it out of qualifying, I will still go all in for the red, white, and blue for soccer, and I will do that thing World Cup year. I mean, I will, like, I, I am with you. I am American through and through. I bleed red, white, and blue just like the rest of you. I, greatest country in the world. But my allegiance doesn't land for the red, white, and blue. And so my fear is that we are more concerned about being Americans than we are about being believers and sons and daughters of the king. My fear is that, that we have taken our eyes off the greatest calling in our life, and it's not to be an American. The greatest calling in our life, the greatest privilege and honor in our life is to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, whereby we have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel and see others become kingdom, kingdom people, to see others be saved, to see others come to know Jesus in a deeper way, to see others walk out obedience and live under the governance and rule and reign of the king. That's what we're called to be, church. And while I'm banging on this drum, let me say some more things because I believe that we are more concerned about fighting and arguing over, over our freedoms as Americas than we are anything about the gospel. You, you're telling me what? No, you're not. America, go fight. I don't know why I took my shoes off that. I mean, I haven't been in many fights, but I would think you'd probably want to have your shoes. Stick to the notes, Scott. But, but will we not? We'll get cranked up in a minute. Somebody put something on Facebook about America. Uh-uh. I'll get my boys and we'll go down there and we'll settle this. We'll fly old glory. I mean, we'll go crazy over it. I mean, we'll be ridiculous, will we not? And hear me, I'm red, white, and blue too. But my allegiance is not to a country here. My allegiance is to a Savior, to a King, to a God. And church, we are so quick to get amped up and fight over stuff like that all the while saying to hell with the world and let the gospel go by the wayside. I mean, our allegiance isn't to a flag, isn't to a president, isn't to a country. And I thank God for the men and women who have fought to give us this freedom. But man, our allegiance church is to a King. To a King, and His name is Jesus. And he has fought for so much more than any person will ever fight for. The freedom that he is talking about. The freedom that he is referring to is freedom from sin. It's hope. It's joy. It's true life. That's what Jesus has offered us. That's the freedom. 
There's not freedom in being American, but there is freedom that is only found in Christ. And that's what the kingdom brings. That's what God offers. And so, so I want to try to, I want to try to illustrate for a moment because God just kind of hit me this weekend as I was in, in the middle of something. He kind of just hit me and, and showed me. And so over the last two weekends, I've had the opportunity to officiate some weddings. And so uh, last weekend, I did a wedding for a couple. And then um, this past weekend, just yesterday, did a, did a wedding and officiated for, for a couple. And then I've got another one coming up here in a couple weeks where I get to officiate this, this wedding for this couple. And so in this service, I always make this statement. Every time I make this statement... And the reason why is I've gotten very intentional about how I do a, a wedding service now because of what a wedding is. The picture that's being painted there for this world to see, it's not about two flesh becoming one, but it's about a king, it's about a kingdom, it's about, about a savior who, who relates to his people. That's what this is about. And so I can remember like my first, it was probably like my second or third wedding. My, my first wedding was my sister's and then I think I had another one in third, fourth, somewhere in that area. Um, and so I can remember, um, didn't know these people. I, I don't do that anymore. Um, we're going to do some counseling. We're going to sit down and, and hammer some things out. Um, I'm just going to get all up in your junk, you know. Like marriage is tough enough as it is. I don't want you going into that thing. You can attest to it, can't you? I, I'm not just going to let you just walk into that thing blindfolded and, and unaware of some things. And so I'm going to do the best I can to try to shake you up a little bit, talk you out of it. Just, because if I can talk you out of it, you don't need to get married. Um, and then encourage you and just, just shine some light on some stuff. And so, uh, so, so doing all, all of those type of things. And so like, I, like, I'm like, I'm fresh in this. Like I've, I've maybe been ordained like, like, like a month or two. I mean, and it's crazy. Like you get ordained and people are like, everybody's itching to get married then. It's like, do you not have a pastor or somebody? And so anyways, um, so I'm doing, the, doing this wedding. And um, it, it was a, a youth leader that I had at my first church here in South Carolina. And um, he, he knew this couple that wanted to get married kind of older in life and stuff like that. And so I didn't know anything about counseling or that stuff. This really helped shape me. And so um, I can just remember meeting, meeting before them the first time. And they're like, we kind of went over it and got everything set up. And they're like, okay, so, so this, this is what I want. I'm like, okay, good. And then we get to that part about obey, the submissive wife, wife part. Uh, and that just did not sit well with her. And she's like, do all that other stuff. That's cool. Just leave that part out. And I'm like, I was young and dumb. I didn't know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I typed it all up. Also, if we get there that day and we're, we're um, like, and at the rehearsal, I don't like run through everything. I just kind of skim over some things and stuff like that, some of the, the stuff. Because um, so do that. So we get there the next day to the wedding. And as I'm there, we're doing it. And it's just innate in me, you know? Like, I mean, you, you, the word is in you. And I've just gotten out of school. And it's like, all this stuff is fresh. And like, I'm just bushy-tailed and bright-eyed. And I'm just like, I get to that part. And I'm like, and wives, submit to your husband. And she's like, ah, ah. Like, in front of everybody, I ain't doing that. Or you're not going to be in the will of the Lord. I didn't do that. I just sat there awkwardly for a moment. And thought, dear God, if this could just end now, please. Come back, Jesus. On the clouds, take us all out. It'll be awesome. Never happened. So somehow I mustered through it. And, and on that day, God, God taught me some things. Says, Son, don't back down from your convictions. The things that I have put in my word are there for a reason. Don't you be sorry for what I've said. I can handle myself. You just proclaim what I've told you to proclaim and you do what I've told you to do. And so, uh, so I say all of that t- to say this and, and then we'll chat for a second. So, so this is what I do now in a service. So, so I look at, at the wife and I say, your, your husband has the responsibility to love you like Christ loves the church. 
which is a very weighty, heavy one, man. Like, you remember that, that promise that you make before God and that woman that, that you're going to be married to? That I'm going to love you like the church? That, that, that I'm going to sacrifice? Because how does Jesus love the church? Uh, died for it, didn't he? Give everything. Everything. Uh, everything. His life for her. I don't know how in the heck we live up to that without the Holy Spirit. But anyways, let's keep on. So I say that. And I say, but, but, but God give you a different responsibility. And this is what the, the Apostle Paul pens in the book of Ephesians. And he says this. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then I look at the wife and I say, this is an expression of your obedience to God. You are to submit to your husband. I mean, that's kingdom language, church. One, for us as men to be willing to die for our wives, to lead that way. And secondly, for, for the wife to submit to the leadership of the head of the home, the husband. I mean, that's kingdom type language. Because the way it should be set up is our focus should be so much on Christ that as we lead our wives, as we lead our families, that woman that God has blessed us with, that has given us to, that woman should gladly say, yes, let's go. You see where the, the hang-up can be real quick? And, and so, so I say that, and then I keep going, and I say this, and, and submission, I look at the wife, and I look at her, and I say, look, submission it's not slavish. It's not cowering. That's not the, the way that Christ wants the church to respond to his leadership. He wants it to be free and willing and glad and refining and strengthening. He said, I say submission is divine calling. Oh, it's a calling of God to a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership, to help carry it through according to her gifts. Submission does not mean that the husband's word is absolute. Oh, no, only Christ's word is absolute. Submission does not mean surrendering thought. It does not mean that you have no input or decision or influence on your husband. This submission comes from what is fitting and appropriate in God's created order. This means that you are to yield to his direction, follow support, give input, lift him up in a way that honors Christ. And then I always say this. I look at the wife and I say, when this passage becomes difficult to follow, always remember that your submission to him is the fruit of your relationship to Jesus and God will bless your obedience. Church, God always blesses obedience. And it's difficult and it's crazy. And as much as that woman that day, and God, I wish I was further along and I'm so sorry I wasn't. But man, what kind of a conversation I could have had with her. Oh, honey, let, let's, just, let's get rid of him for a second. Let's just talk. Oh, can I tell you what submission means, what obedience means? First and foremost, his job isn't easy to begin with. And this submission thing is going to be a piece of cake compared to what God's asked him to do. But man, this is kingdom type talk. Church, that's what this is. This is the rule and reign and the governance of our God, of our King. It's kingdom language and living. And hear me, hear me. I'm going to hit hard here for a second because men, when we punt on our God-given responsibilities to lead our wives and our families, we are as much to blame because of the sin and rebellion than anyone. When we punt and we sidestep on the responsibility of what God has called us to do and be as men, that's sin. That's it. And there's no wonder the world's in the shambles that it is today. Where in the heck is the man? What are we doing? And I'm just as guilty as anybody else. 
I am just as guilty of not leading like I need to do, like, like I need to be leading, not sacrificing myself like I need to be sacrificing, not serving for the betterment of my wife like I need to be serving like Christ did for the church. I am a whole representation of the church, of Christ for the church. But God help me. And what's happened is, churches, we have sidestepped that. Men, we have sidestepped our God-given responsibility. And is it fair? Absolutely not. I'd much rather have the obedience part, which I struggle with that too. But the way that God has set this up is for the man to lead the home, to love the wife like Christ loves the church. And that's what he calls us to. That's what he expects us of. And hear me, one day we're going to stand before him and we're going to give an account of why we did or we didn't. And I don't care how great our excuse is. Well, that woman, she's just hard-headed and wouldn't give in to nothing I said. His response is, well, if you'd have loved her anyways, like I love the church, you, you think you're easy to lead? Bobo, you, like, you, think, you think me being king of the universe is easy to lead you and your hard-headed, stubborn self? I mean, that argument won't fly with God. So hear me, men, when we neglect that responsibility, we end up with a world like we've got today. I think that's the simplest way to put it. You, you, you want to, there's a lot of ways we can assess what's going on with the world. One, that we need Jesus. And two, we need men to rise up and be men like God has called us and created us to be, to lead, to lead sacrificially like Jesus did. And, and hear me, if we do that, and we start to impact the homes, we start to impact the families, we start to lead and be, and we will start to see a turn in the way that things are going. I mean, do you know statistically speaking of what it's like for a single family home? Where the mama is the leader of the home and there's no daddy in the home? Like, do you know statistically how horrific that is or, or what those kids end up being or how they grow up and what happens to them? The system that they get in? I mean, if we could just see that for a moment. This world needs Jesus and this world needs men to rise up and be men that God's created to be. And so hear me, I just... Every do and don't in the scriptures is about our joy. Hear me, God is not some tyrannical monster. All of us do and don't do this, don't do this. It's about life and it's about joy. He never robs us of anything. He only leads us into what is, what is most desperately needed, whether, that, whether we understand that or not. So this, be this servant leadership for your wife or, or be this man like this in this world or, or submit to his authority and his rule and his reign. It's to lead us to life. That's his system. That is his kingdom that is his governance. That's how he has set this world up to be. And the problem is we've rebelled. And we'll see that here in a few weeks. So as the band comes back up, the kingdom is about a king who has rescued and redeemed a people for himself. And he rules and he reigns over his people. See, God's purpose for our world is to save a people for himself and to renew the world for that people. His kingly rule implies a saving and redeeming activity on their behalf. And so in and through Jesus, God the King has come into this world to establish His saving rule. First in the hearts of His people and in their relationships by triumphing over sin, Satan, and death. And then secondly, by exercising His reign, gathering a people for Himself, a congregation that, that lives as citizens with a new allegiance to His kingdom and not for this world. Son of man came to seek and to save the lost. We want to say thank you so much for watching our online service. The good news about it is this. When God comes in human form as Jesus and says that the kingdom of God is at hand, He does so as a way of invitation. 
as a way of him. He wants men and women to repent and to return and, and to be born again and to be a part of his kingdom. Oh, he invites fallen, sinful, rebellious men to be a part of his kingdom and his rule. And so when he says that this is the way to life, he's not being cranky, legalistic, or moral, moralistic. Instead, what he's doing is saying that this way to life, this is the way to depth, this is the way to meaning, this is the way to joy. That's what the kingdom is about. The only place to find any of those realities is being part of his kingdom. So, so two questions to leave you with this morning is this. Are you part of his kingdom? Whether you're sitting in this place this morning and you're hearing the gospel proclaimed and you're hearing this reality and, and maybe, just maybe, there's a little bit of angst when you say, you mean, I've, I'm not submitting to nobody, which would just show that you probably don't belong to the kingdom. Now hear me, like, I, fight, I fight submission too. I mean, there's things that Jesus asks and requires of me that I just don't like to do, I don't want to do. Difficult conversations I have to have, certain ways that I have to act. I mean, I want to give people peace of my mind just as bad as anybody else does. I mean, because there's some oh, people out there, you know, that need it, I think. And, and God ever so suddenly reminds me, no, they, they don't need your opinion. They need my truth. I guess I'll be obedient to that. I need you to love your wife like this. I need you to serve her like this. I need for you to go above and beyond so she can flourish. But God, what about me? It's not about you, Scott. I want to react certain ways. Oh, I want to get on Facebook and rant just as bad as anybody else does. But but do you really think that points people to Jesus all the more? No, because we're called to lovingly go have conversation one-on-one and care for them enough to walk with them throughout whatever it is. So obedience is not easy. Obedience is very difficult. Man, but what I've realized is when there's a king that is good and loving and gracious, man, when he asks, man, and I've seen his heart play out over and over and over, and I know it's for my good, or for his good, for our good, all good, his glory and our joy, I will walk into that. So, so I don't know where you're at this morning, if you're watching online, or if you're here in this place, are you a part of his kingdom? And then the second question I'll leave you with is this. If you are part of his kingdom, do you need to reorient your heart around the reality of being a citizen of the kingdom of God? And what I mean by that is this, is where are those rebellious areas in your life? Do you need to repent of that? Like, okay, God, yes, I know you're king, but there's just this one area that I thought that I could do better than you in. And you just wasn't moving fast enough, or you just wasn't doing quick enough, or you just wasn't uh, enough. And so I just went ahead and circumvented you for a moment. Okay, I see you're the king. I'm not. I need you. I'm sorry. And so we live a life of repentance where the Holy Spirit convicts us of those areas of our life where we maybe have circumvented his rule and his reign. And so I don't know what God's turned in your heart this morning, but what I know is this, is that there is a kingdom and he has come and he has made that kingdom known and he has invited men and women to be a part of the kingdom. And so as kingdom citizens, man, we want to submit to his rule, to his reign because that's what the kingdom is about. Because he is the good king that loves us unconditionally and has given us heaven's best in Jesus. So I don't know what he's stirred in your heart, but this altar is open. If you want to come pray, if you want to talk more about what it means to be a part of that kingdom of heaven, man, I will be here. And I would count it an honor and joy to have more conversation or to lead or to pray or do whatever we can do with you. But you be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit this morning in this place. Father, we love you. Jesus, we need you. We just pray, God, that you would move and speak in this place. Make your presence known. God, move like you have never moved before in this place. God, wreck us this morning 
in the reality that our allegiance is not to a flag or to a country, but to a king. And you are the king we need, not another president, not another governance, not another body leading us, not another campaign, not more education. We need a king rightfully on the throne, us submitting and following and being obedient to. So God, help orient our heart around that truth to your kingdom. Jesus, we love you. We need you. Move in this place now, I beg. And we pray. Amen. You stand. Eric and them are going to lead us this morning. You be obedient to Jesus.